This episode of the Good and the Bad and the Geeky podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Audible.com, over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Warning! The podcast you're about to hear is very filthy. We say naughty words you would use as an adult anyway. It will cause you not to eat your vegetables, and your mom generally thinks it's a bad idea. Any moment of the show that has any similarity to the history of any person living or dead, real or fictional, to real events are entirely unintentional and coincidental. Unless we're specifically noted otherwise in the cast and crew credits, all celebrity voices are impersonated, and new celebrity has endorsed any aspect of this show. Welcome out to episode 145 of The Good, The Bad, and Geeky, the week of June 18th, 2011. I'm Nick Nitro. Along with me, as always, is... John. Did you say June 18th? Yeah. Yeah. Today is the... It's the week of June 18th, Nathan. What's what's Friday? I don't know. June 18th? Yeah, buddy. All right. I'm Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> John, did you say first. your name? Yeah, okay. Time. Better the first time. Yeah, I, yeah, well, too late. It's compelling and rich. <laughs> and welcome out to another episode. Well, we have uh, we have a really big episode planned. Um, oh, God, do we? Actually, we do, Nathan. And, and uh, at the end of the last half... Super af- duper, gang. <laughs> a la- last half of the show, we actually have uh, you and me... Uh, you and I. You and I are interviewing Mark Guggenheim. That's right. That's right. Yeah, big show. I'm a little nervous. A little nervous, and uh, and so, but we also got something really. We've got some cool stuff. Now, uh, last episode, there was the question posed, or actually, you you threw the gauntlet down, Nathan, which is I talked about how apparently it's normal. For, I think it's normal that people wear socks inside out. I forgot about that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't and I am shamed to admit that I wish I never brought it up because. <laughs> I am the only, me and like one other person are the only one that wears their socks inside out, like normal. Like, to them it's normal. Like, all the time. Like, out of all the poll results, because we asked a poll on Facebook. Yeah. And we had 20 votes for I wear my socks normal, which is how they're designed. And then uh, two votes, that's me and this other person. Uh, wear their socks inside out, usually for winter time, and then normal summertime, it's normal. So I, I eat crow on that. Now, some of the comments we had was uh, uh, who Jamie said, I have to ask, Nick, why do you wear your socks inside out? It It's more comfortable. <laughs> and I swear to God, after doing some tests myself on the subject... I find that it feels like my feet are more insulated. Now, I don't know if that might be true. Maybe it's just a, it's probably a head game thing. But, but I remember trying that a few times where it, my, my feet in the wintertime do feel a lot, not only comfortable, but more... wear wool socks. Well, I do wear wool socks. Is that out? Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah. So, uh, I love hospital socks. Oh, I hate those. I hate I those because they, they about ready to fall off all the time. That's, well... 
I stole some from my grandma. Well, my grandma I didn't steal them. <laughs> you stole <laughs> some from no. your grandma. No, secondly, uh, first off, it's a great grandma. She's ninety. Wow. She's ninety-four. Oh, clearly I didn't really a difference. Steal them. I was about to, and she said I could just have them. Okay. I find hospital. I just, they do fall off if you wear them with shoes, but I they are the most comfortable, and they're yellow. I just think that's some. This is sometimes it's a nice old color. Uh, well, Brandon also asked. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, well, Brandon, really one of our listeners, Brandon, said, uh, "You should see how the Red Hot Chili Peppers wear their socks." LOL. That's because they don't wear socks. It, well, no, they do actually. Uh, they, when they do concerts, oh, they wear nothing. They wear. That's yeah, that's wear. all they wear. Okay. And uh, Joy, uh, one of our listeners, says, "LOL, what a question." And indeed, what a question it is because it sucked that I even put it up. I should have never done that. But uh, one of the other polls we threw out there was, because we were talking about comic book films last week, and I think you also said, throw this up there. And so I did like a few days later, which is, uh, how many of you saw X-Men First Class? If you had the chance to see the flick, what do you think? Uh, one person didn't see it. I want to, though. Another person didn't see it. Don't. No desire to. Um Six people saw the film, including myself. Uh, I saw the film, Best X-Men Film to Date. And then we had... What? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the second one? Yeah, I've seen the second one. It's better than the second one. Have you seen the first one? Yeah. Have you seen the third one? Oh, I wish I didn't, but yes. I've seen the third one. I I agree with that. It can't be hard to beat Wolverine, but you just have to show up. But are you... Sh- oh, then I have to see it then. It's... No, I... I thought... Okay, I... This is... This was... First class? Yeah. No. Okay. So, but anyway. I think it's easier if you never read anything. You have no expectations when, when you you're going in. you go to in. see the movie. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yeah. Like... That could be why I like the first few movies so much. Well, I've never like, read the original X-Men First Class, because X-Men First Class is actually a, is a mini-series. Like, it... It's like an alternate universe take of X-Men. It's not the actual... Because the original X-Men were Beast, Iceman, Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Angel. No Storm? No Storm. Storm didn't show up until the Uncanny X-Men, which was years later with Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine. And, uh, matter of fact, Wolverine premiered in The Incredible Hulk. But, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, But, yeah, so that was our X-Men pull. But uh, one of the things that we, we, we were I, I really enjoy is uh, we've been getting screeners, and one of the really cool things we just actually all got done watching was FX's new show, which is, by the time this is out, will premiere next week, is FX's Wilfred, starring Elijah Wood and, and James Gaughan, I believe his name is. And uh, but we're, we we just saw Wilfred and okay I will tell you because I watched all three episodes because I thought we were going to do this last night yeah. I watched all three episodes and here's my first thoughts I did not like it and I even said that before we sat down and my 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 thought was it feels like the show's trying to go somewhere yeah and then it just doesn't feel like it's going like it feels full of like philosophical ideas or at least like the dog feels ideas sure. and then it just sort of goes nowhere well. I think really, the, and I didn't find any of it funny at all. I think I think I found like one or two things funny, but yeah, yeah. Watching it with a group of people made the show funny. I don't know how, that, I don't know why, but like I, I was, like, was good. Like, probably because I questioned every damn thing. No, uh, no, oh, come on. I, I 
that that doesn't know. You were questioning stuff that doesn't. I didn't even I mean, think about. I understand why you're questioning it because. Well, no, that, in the first episode, do. in the first like twenty, <laughs> what you do, you ruin. That's what you do. You question things. Well, the first 20, 30 minutes, like even I was sort of questioning. Yeah. Like, is is it real? Is it not? How does the logistics of it work? Right. You know, do other people recognize the dog, or do they look? I, you don't know. And then at some point, you just stopped. Uh, you just stop caring about that and just pay attention to the show, uh-huh. and and then this time I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, and I, I think you just have to watch it. Well, it's kind of interesting because David Zuckerman is one of the creators of it. Yeah, and he created Family Guy with Seth MacFarlane. Oh yeah, okay. And so Wilfred is kind of like Brian. That's what I was. Except thinking. Brian, everybody knows that Brian. You know, Brian can talk to other people, and you know, he, right. he goes on dates with women, and you know, right, it's no big. Yeah, he's yeah. a human almost, yeah, he is, but he's you know, a dog, and he still Forks. has dog tendencies. But you know, right. so there's like that talking dog aspect of it. But in Wolfred, it's just you know, Elijah Wood's character is the only one that and sees Wolf- him talking and doing human things. And right, it it, <laughs> it, it, it was it was a lot funnier when I was watching with you guys. I don't I don't know. It has to be like a for me like a yeah. I don't know what it was. Maybe my mind wasn't just but like maybe I was trying to wrap my head around the enigma of what was really going on. Right. Because there were some parts that laughed like uh, in the pilot episode. Uh, they're at a cafe and he's obviously motorboating the girl. And the girl's just like, oh, he really likes me. And then the dog starts humping him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's funny. Yeah. But, like, that was the only part of the pilot I found somewhat humorous. Oh, and at the end, uh, he's humping the teddy bear. Yeah. But the rest of it, like, I wasn't really, yeah, watching it this time. The whole, like, first ten minutes was actually pretty funny. <laughs> and I'm picking up on stuff I wasn't even paying attention to. Like, uh, one, uh, Randy, it's Ethan Supley, he, he has a, a laser pointer. Yeah. And uh, he starts, he's like, look at this dumb dog. And he's like, waving it around. He's like, Ron, do you see this? Am I blind? I, I, I swear to God, this is here. That was not. And he's like chasing it around like a dog would. Yeah. And finally, uh, this Indian woman comes out. And I didn't get this the first time I saw it. It, it felt like such an idiot. Dots, not feathers. Yeah. yeah it's the dot, or did I say feathers? No, I just. Oh, no, 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 not the hug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, good point. I was just clarifying. Yes. Good, good man. Indians. Dot, but dot's but they, not they had the little dot. I forget what's called. It's like a something bead on the top of their forehead, but it's red. And so, and he looks right at her, and there's the bead, and he, he goes for it. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, he's being hauled away. And uh, I did like that. I did like that line when he's getting hauled away. He's like, <laughs> "Come visit me at the farm. <laughs> Come visit me. And bring bread for the ducks." <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, and the other thing I, I did like though too, which was, and I That's thought, Bindi. What's that? It's a Vindi. Yeah. Bindi. Or Bindi. B i n d i. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like a gateway to their soul or something, isn't it? Like a third eye. Or I don't know what it is, but it's something like that. Yeah. It has something to do with their uh, mind or soul or something. You want me to continue or just kind of... It's all right. Here? No, no, no. What? What? What is it? I don't know. I got to click on it. Oh. Okay. Family, family Guy does a reference to it in one of their episodes. <laughs> by women, men, girls, and boys no longer signify age. Peter's, Peter's uh, trying out all different religions. Yeah. And he goes and sees, you know, some Hindu guy or whatever. And he's got the beat on him. Dot on his forehead, and while he's like trying to meditate, he likes he tackles the guy. 
<laughs> and he's like, oh, sorry, I thought there was a sniper on you. <laughs> I thought there was a sniper aimed at your forehead. Men wear it occasionally as a puja, which is a ritual worship, or marriage, or arati, which symbolizes the waving of lights on festive occasions, such as baduj, carve, chad, <laughs> or padwa, or dashera. I'm done. Okay. Some of well, those words have like three letters out of the same. Well, what, well what did you think of the show? Because you were laughing a few times, and there was yeah. a few Once times... I just realized that until... Yeah. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> Once I... It took three episodes to realize that there's... Sorry. Nothing I can do to fix the fact that this makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> um it really isn't a bad show. I mean, it's one of the most original programs I've seen in a long time. I just try to figure out how they're going to explain everything. And then I'm, I'm assuming, and I mean, the Zuckerman fact, it could be like there's just no point. Yeah. Because there is no point to Family Guy and there never will be. It's just a different form of comedy. And maybe this is just a different form. I don't know. We can't base it all just off of three episodes. But right. And, and I can see it either going, they're going to explain yeah. it. I, I, I don't not. know if they will explain it. Yeah, I think well, it I, well, the Australian I mean, they, show... They might explain it, like, why he finally mm-hmm. sees him, but, I mean, as far as, like, the dog doing... You I know, think sitting it, I there think drinking the a beer, holding a beer, and drinking yeah. a beer. Yeah, a dog I think cannot do that. We yeah. get it. We understand. Dog cannot sit there and smoke bong. Well, something in the in the third episode, which is he breaks into Ethan Suppley's house and shits in his boot, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But uh, he makes the comment. He he, he goes, yeah, I did, sh- I did break into your house, break your window. Now, see, when you watch the episode before that, when that, or episode two before that, when that happens, Wilford breaks the window. Now, you can make the assumption that Elijah's doing most of the stuff that, he, that a human would be required to do, mm-hmm. but the dog is doing the rest that the dog would do. I mean, again, it there really is no non, there's no sense to it because the dog's not going to be smoking a bong. Mm-hmm. There's no way he can fucking light it. I mean, yeah. you know... I don't even think a fucking ape could light that shit. He likes the opposable thumb. Apes cook because apes have opposable thumbs. Or may- maybe... The coordination... I don't know, maybe there is that. a dog. There has to be a dog, because everybody sees the dog. Yeah. I mean, there is a dog, but, you know, Elijah... Elijah. Elijah Wood's character is just nuts. Nuts. Yeah. And, you know, he sits there and drinks, and, you know, he or he's an alcoholic, and he's a pothead, and all that stuff, and... Well, the thing I thought he, was really... He's really doing it, just sitting there by himself, and there's a dog sitting there, and not doing any of it. Smoke weed every And he's, day. you know... Well, the thing I thought was interesting is they quickly disparaged the fact that he's not nuts because he overdosed. Yeah. Because, uh, spoiler alert, that's a placebo, yeah, sugar pills. Sugar pills. It's sugar pills. So the worst thing, which you like that a lot. I rem- you you laugh. That's, I think that's the first really good yeah. laugh you it's got like, out of the entire episode. Which like, well, what are the side effects of sugar pills? Uh, sugar rush. Sugar rush. Diabetes. <laughs> adult adult onset diabetes or whatever. It's like. Yeah. And, oh, and loss of teeth. Loss. Of teeth. <laughs> I got diabetes. Diabetes. <laughs> Call liberty. I hope liberty you live a better life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah. it's right. Yeah, but yeah, I, 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 the second time around, I greatly enjoyed it, and uh, but uh, no, I liked Wilfred, and uh, I actually want to see the rest of of it, and uh, I, I think it'll be good. But uh, passing grade for both of you as well. Yeah. Yep. 
All right. Well, uh, anything else we want to add before we'll, we'll take a break? And Usually uh, before the break, we would ask about how our weeks and stuff have been. You really want to talk about that? How was the warrior dash? Excellent. My wounds, I have some scarring, but my <laughs> wounds are okay. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it would take a while to talk about it, but it really was a fun race. There was a lot to do. Did you go? Did you go through the fire, or did they have a you fire? Jumped over fire. How was it, that? Did, someone, did anyone fall in the fire? Not that I saw. Uh, that's was, a little depressing, was, isn't it? It was at the very end I don't of the know, race. That's, that's me. Like the only thing it was the fire, and then mud, and then mud with barbed wire. Like if the fire would have been at the end, I would have been like, fuck it. <laughs> How did you do the barbed wire? How did well, that it's, go? I, it's it's you going. Like it's going there probably. Right? Well, okay, not barbed. What's the stuff that looks like a natural sign that's kind of bent? You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Kind of looks like this. He's showing horrible drawing. I really hold on, get... hold on, hold on, oh, hold on, okay. hold on. Okay. Well, while I'll just get, there's just a lot of different obstacles in it, like walls you climb. Yeah. Uh, you did climb it, a giant Did it make net. the race feel like if you have to run, if you basically ran 5K just straight? This I was much, much, much worse. Uh, well, I know, but so you th- you thought it was worse. Oh, I got to get rid of my wiener. Wow. <laughs> I really. Okay, a little preface for that. Uh, Nathan earlier is on his iPad right now, and he drew okay. a picture of a wiener. So he's talking about the picture on his iPad, not his actual dick. <laughs> he's not going to. Oh, that's another funny thing for Wolfers. It's like, it's like, she has one fatal flaw, mate. It's like, okay. she has a dick. So, you know how, like, a fence has this stuff? Uh-huh. Does that, does that help at all? You know what I'm talking about? How on a fence... <laughs> okay. Win, lose, or draw with DJ Meat. I'm drawing it, right? Like, you have... It looks like that in the middle, like little coils. And then, like... Like that stuff. Like you have your fence, and there's like all those those things all around it. Like that metal stuff that if you're climbing. That looks the like fence, barb. It looks like yeah, barb. Yeah, that's the stuff that we were climbing under. Okay. So it's kind of like barbed wire. Okay. I mean, it's still fucking hurt on my fucking back. So it's Sorry, probably barbed wire. It was. But I thought, well, then what the fuck are you talking about? It's not barbed wire, know, but it I is. I was thinking of prison where you have the curly stuff. That it's like, barbed wire. Yeah, like the big curly stuff. That's barbed wire. Yeah, but that it's just the the barb is is probably more distantly laid out, or it's a lot closer together, or there's more barbs. It's only like this in the big, like this big of barbs. Barbs, barbs going across this yeah. main chain. Well, sometimes. Oh my god. Anyway, most of the race is in mud. Yeah. So. All your energy is going to just getting your feet out of it. And then, um, like the Metro Park, how you go up those hills, instead of just going up and one down one, there are like four sets of five. Oh, my God. And they're God. all mud. Mm-hmm. And it's mud going up and then mud going down. So if you're not, like, just like leaning that. back, like if you're me and you're... Ret- I ran down an entire mountain. And I have no idea how I didn't hit anybody or die. <laughs> I, I I saved five minutes. At one point, I ended up. I think I fell over, but there were no rocks, right. so I slid and somehow got up and just kept going. Like I was the most aerodynamic piece of. It was amazing. Yeah. I don't know how I did how I didn't kill anybody. But it was fun though. It was it was a good time. Yeah. But yeah, I f- running a five k five miles five miles. I would say no, no. It's easier. it's five k is like three. Yeah, five k is three point one miles. That's basically what this was. Yeah. But running it would have been so much easier, just like on a road. 
Been more boring. Did it make it seem like it was a longer race? Cause oh my god. Doing all that stuff? The, for, the cargo net's 40 feet in the air. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to the wall, like, you. it's one of those things where it's basically, it's not really a circle, but it's, yeah. it's we'll just say it's a circle. It's, it's not, there's a couple more turns, but basically it's a circle. You end and, and you begin and end at the same place. Almost. That's why it's almost like a circle. Okay, well. Uh, I draw it, but apparently I'm not very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you see it, you you see one, you, the, the uh, net's kind of like one of the final obstacles. Uh -huh. uh, it's like within the last seven. Is it really 40 feet in the air? It, it really is. I mean, you climb for a little bit. Okay. Like, okay. I'm big. I figured out a way to get up there faster. Like, I would, um, I'd say like uh, 12 inches by 12 inches is each, like, little netting. You know, talking about like a cargo net. Okay. Like each Was it one of those ones where there's a net on one side and the other and it's a straight drop down? There's this, like, No, wood. there's a net on one side. And a net on the other. And then on the other side. It's about 40 okay. feet up. And then you well, sometimes in military the stuff, they do a net on what to get up, and then on the other side, it's just pure wood. No, they had a wall like that. There was a wall where you had a rope, and you could climb up. On the other side, it was um, uh, no rope, just the, um, I guess you call them steps, but they're not really steps. I don't know what you call them. Did, did anyone, you know... Like, each step was only, like, this far off the wall itself. So was, I almost slipped, I almost slipped off my, because yeah. my feet are really big. Did anyone? It said something like you can pass certain obstacles if you don't want to do them. I have no idea. I, I actually I didn't, didn't see. You didn't see. You didn't, you didn't see anyone well, do the, that either. The whole the whole clause you read is I will not sue. I, so I just signed all of it because I knew yeah. if I got hurt, it's my fault. I'm the idiot right, doing the right, race. Right, right. If I break right, my ankle, right. unless a bear does it, it's my fault. Well, no. My my question is is that did you see anybody like skip anything? Oh, I never saw anybody skip anything. Well, that's pretty good then. That's. I don't know if that was me. I well, for, I Honestly, mean, I wouldn't have gotten through any of it, but I mean, I at least would have for sure skipped see, that's over the, the wall. Thing. There were I in my race alone. There were uh, there were four people who, no offense, they were big. They were big people, but uh, like I guess I guess they ended up walking most of it. But they did it, and they unless they the race a lot of well, I, a lot, a lot from of people what I read actually online, will read will run and. And walk. Like, it is very, very tiring. You spend the first minute walking anyway. I mean, um, from what I read online was like the, like yeah, they have awards and stuff at the end, I guess. Oh, I didn't stay for that. You got but, a free beer though. Yeah, I mean is, they have awards no and stuff at the end, I guess. You know, fastest time for mm -hmm. man, fastest time for women, blah blah blah, all that stuff. But I think the whole point of the race is to like just finish it. Yeah, you know. Like any race, you like if you go to any fight, like actual race, yeah. like if nowadays. you train to get into Boston Marathon, like if I train to, to run in the Boston Marathon, obviously my first time, I'm not going to be. It's not like I'm going to go in it to try to win, but I'd like to finish. Right, right. <laughs> you know, even if I'm the the take the longest, <laughs> if I finish it, I could say I ran the mar oh, Boston Marathon. You know, <laughs> yeah. That that's actually a goal of mine is to eventually do a uh, do a race. Mm -hmm. That's years off, but uh, race you down the steps. At the end you'd be of the you'd be you'd be surprised. Yeah, you'll probably win. But you'd be in a race. Yes, but then I would lose. So I don't want to lose a race. No. You're in a race. Then. No, I have this fear that uh, if I did do a race, no matter how thin I was, it would be like JD and Scrubs, which is like it's like the race is over. It's the next day, and then like like I'd be like JD, which is like oh. just. Like begging Ted, the lawyer who is like the weakest character there, who finished it first. 
to drag me across the finish line. I can't beat rabies. Yeah, I can't. Just... <laughs> I, can't I can't beat rabies. <laughs> but no, that, that, that's my fear. I don't know. But no, uh, I'd highly recommend it if anybody's mm-hmm. looking for it. Like, I guess they're doing another one in September. Yeah. I, don't, oh, I think they call it the Spartan Run, though, isn't it? It's, it's on WarriorDash.com. Okay. Because there's one called the Spartan where it's, I guess it's kind of like that, but it's 10 miles. Oh. Okay. That might be... Well, did you, uh... <laughs> Was it like a whole weekend? Like, I mean, <laughs> my chest hurt at the end of it. I don't know. I'd die. I, I, was, su- I, would I, was, die. Surprised. I was surprised you actually did. Not... No, yeah. Because I, the only reason I did it was because feeling, the yeah. doctor the doctor said, "Well, I don't really notice anything," so I was like, "All right, well, yeah. let's see how it goes." I I honestly did. There were parts of it I walked, yeah. uh, like the water. Did all you guys finish at I, the same time? Oh uh, yes, we actually we actually timed it that way so we all finished at the same time, which sounds kind of gay, but it's kind of rewarding. At the you, same. you were with a group of people. Yeah, me. You remember the twins, Molly and Megan? You remember them from Todd's? Yeah. Uh, Megan and her husband ran uh, with me. Okay. I thought Molly did. Molly was supposed to. And oh. that's, yeah, she ended up uh, not. She forgot, to, she forgot to tell me. She was supposed to be my running buddy because Megan and Luke were really in shape. Uh-huh. But uh, the people wore costumes. <laughs> and I don't understand it. Like, there were guys just wearing Speedos. Because they're, they're dressed up like the actual fucking Spartans and all that shit. Warriors. No, warriors wore shields and armor. No, no, they didn't. Not, yeah. in, gr- not in Roman times. Yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, times infinity, times infinity, I win. You lose. They wore g- gear. They wore gear, but not all the time. Yeah, but they wore gear when they went to battle. For, okay, so you're when saying they when, they, when they were doing fucking Olympics. I'm just Olympics. saying, with all the stuff that they, But you're not going to battle, Nathan. You're not going it to battle. It was a war. We were dashing. It was a battle. You're dashing like a fucking reindeer? No, that's frolicking. No. Deer frolic. They don't dash. Reindeer. No, no. I said reindeer, not reindeer, deer. Reindeer fly. But they also True. dash. And they dance. That's, gummy, dance. that's gummy bears. Gummy bears. Then dash. what does Dasher do, Nate? Dash. He, he dances and he prances. No, that's No, his he friend. dashes. That's his he, friends. Exactly. He doesn't dash. There's Dasher and, and Dancer. Vixen. Okay, does Dancer and dance? Does Prancer prance? Does Vixen Vix? Does Donner die? Actually, Vix, Vixen vexes, and to no irritate. one vexes. To irritate, to make anger. To make ire. <laughs> to make anger. To make ire. <laughs> All right. Well, uh... We got way off topic. Yeah, it's okay. So, uh... We'll just edit all that. Yeah. So you well, can just say... I'll, I'll say the word g- good. That way you edit it all. You say, how's Warrior Dash? And I'll just cut out to good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was good. Well, good, Nathan. Good. There we go. And I, I'm glad that was such a wonderful explanation really, of, oh. of how things went. What were you going to say, Nathan? I was going to say it really was, but I thought you were going to say something else. Sometimes I don't listen to you. I just hope I just hope that your question leads to what I'm going to answer. Well, anyway, we'll be uh, we'll be right back with uh, Mark Guggenheim uh, right after this. In this part of Africa, we all have a say. Whenever something bad happens. We just throw our hands to the sky and say, Hasadiga Iboai. Hasadiga Iboai? It's the only way to get through all these troubled times. There's war, poverty, famine. But having a saying makes it all seem better. There isn't enough food to eat. Hasadiga Iboai. People are starving in the street. Hasadiga Iboai. Hasadiga Iboai. 
pretty neat. Does it mean no worries for the rest of our days? Kind of. We've had no rain in several days. Casadiga Evo And 80% of us have AIDS. Casadiga Evo Many young girls here get circumcised. The clits get cut right off. Well, And so we set up to decide. Casadiga Evo to the sky and list off the bad things in your life. Somebody took our luggage away. The plane was crowded and the bus was late. When the world is getting you down, there's nobody else to blame. Raise your middle finger to the sky and curse his rotten name. Wait, what? Hasadiga Iboi. Am I saying that? Excuse me, sir, but, but what exactly does that phrase mean? Well, let's see. Eboi means God, and Hasadiga means fuck you. So I guess in English it would be fuck you, God. Hasadiga Eboi. What? When God fucks you in the butt. Hasadiga Eboi. Fuck God right back in his cunt. Hasadiga Eboi. sir, but you should really not be saying that. Things aren't always as bad as they seem. Oh, really? Well, take this fucking asshole Matumbo here. He got caught last week trying to rape a baby. What? Why? Some people in his tribe believe that having sex with a virgin will cure their AIDS. There aren't many virgins left, so some of them are turning to babies. But that's horrible. I know. Asadiga Ibawai. Here's the butcher. He has AIDS. She has AIDS. Here's the doctor. He has AIDS. Here's my daughter. She has a wonderful disposition. She's all I have left in the world. And if either of you lays a hand on her, I will give you my AIDS. If you don't like what we say, try living here a couple days. Watch all your friends and I've not read in a while. What? Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. 
There's a few new ones I wouldn't mind having either. I'm busy a lot of the time too. Yeah, that's why I listen to audiobooks on my iPod Touch. It uh, helps me stay in touch with the books I want to read and allow me to, you know, fit in between the rest of my responsibilities. That is why for some of you listening to the Good, the Bad, and the Geeky podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. I was able to sign up and get a free copy of one of my favorite books. Catch me if you can. Hey, do they have uh, Horton Here's a Who? Let me check. Yes, they do. So if you'd like to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash goodbaggeeky. What's that again for the free audiobook? Again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash goodbaggeeky for your free audiobook. Hello, my name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Hello, my name is Elder Grant. It's a book about America a long, long time ago. It has so many awesome parts. You simply won't believe how much this book can change your life. Hello, my name is Elder Green. I would like to share with you this book of Jesus Christ. Hello, my name is Elder Young. Hello, did you know that Jesus lived here in the USA? You can read all about it now. Hello. In this nifty book, it's free. No, you don't have to pay. Hello. Hello. My name is Elder Smith. And can I leave this book with you for you to just peruse? Hello. 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 I'll just leave it here. It has a lot of information you can really use. Hello. Hi. My name is Jesus Christ. You have a lovely home. From the break, and uh, right before that, we heard something from the Book of Mormon, uh, which is won a bunch of uh, Tonys, mm-hmm. and uh, you can buy the album on, on iTunes or on Amazon. Uh, it's a good, it's a great album. If you like South Park, you'll you'll really enjoy it. All right, we have a very uh, special guest on the show. Uh, opening this week is Mark Guggenheim. He's our special guest. He's going to talk a little bit about Green Lantern and some other special things. Mark, welcome out to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. No, and. Uh, 
Well, I'll uh, I'll throw the uh, first question out there. How did you uh, how did you get involved with Green Lantern, the the film? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, basically, I started working on Green Lantern like now it's three and a half, four years ago actually. Oh wow! Um, and it, it all started with uh, a flight to New, uh, California that I took with Greg Berlanti. Uh, Greg and I had worked uh, together on a show called Jack and Bobby. Um, and a couple of years uh, later, after Jack and Bobby got canceled, we started working together on a show called Eli Stone. Uh, and we were in New York um, casting for the pilot. And on the flight back to L.A. from New York, uh, he mentioned to me that he wanted to do a Green Lantern movie, that he had this idea for doing uh, a take on Green Lantern that would basically combine superheroes and Star Wars. And I thought, well, wow, that's really fantastic, and, and uh, it would be a lot of fun. And uh, he asked if, if I was, you know, if I would be interested in working on it with him. Uh, and it's like, come on, I mean, how, how, do, how do you say no to that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Greg made a similar invitation to Michael Green, who we had also worked with uh, on Jack and Bobby, uh, and the three of us, you know, basically, you know, decided to, you know, work as a team. Uh, Greg went in and pitched uh, his take to the studio. Uh, the studio uh, loved it. We went off and wrote, and that's that's sort of how it all got going. Being that there's been tons of of, uh, of press hitting about Green Lantern, uh, and it's it's going to be a huge film. What about the what about the sequel? Uh, are you guys That's, starting to work on it now? Yeah, um, we're we're in the process of working on it right now. In fact, uh, after this this interview, I go uh, over the hill because uh, I'm in the San Fernando Valley, and cool. I go over the hill and meet with uh, Michael and and Greg, and we'll uh, you know keep working away. Well, l- let me ask you on this because I'm I'm really fascinated about. Uh, well, I know you and Greg worked before on Eli Stone, which I'm a big fan of. I, I, I'm really interested in how writing duos work, and in, in terms of screenwriting. Now, in TV shows, it's a little bit more, I would figure, a little bit more easy because, you know, at least once the show is, is going to air because there's a writer's room. But right. at, after that, though, you guys are off doing, I think Greg was doing Life As We Know It, mm-hmm. and then uh, you were probably doing, uh, at the time, your own comic books, Flash Forward, anything else that you had your hands on. How does that work when doing writing the Green Lantern, or were you working that at the same time as Eli Stone? It was a constant thing. Even after that, you would send pages to each other. How does that relationship work? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Well, well, first of all, we were writing it while we were doing Eli Stone. We were writing it actually during both both seasons, uh, season one and season two, um, with a, a, an interruption in the middle uh, for the writer strike, and basically, I mean, yes. Greg and I were sort of in the same office because we were both working on Eli, uh, and Michael was off working on his show Kings. Um, but the the truth of the matter is is that the way we worked uh, was very similar to a writer's room, um, and essentially it, it was it was weird in the sense that it was like you know it was it was messy and and you know a lot via email and a lot via phone and, and sometimes all three of us came together and sometimes two out of three. Um, and basically the way we, we did it was we got together in a room, you know, all, all together for a few days to sort of work out the basic story of the movie. We, we sort of call it Green Lantern Fest. Get out of here without shit! You're story a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place! 
trade them amongst ourselves. I would do a pass on Greg's stuff. Greg would do a pass on Michael's stuff. Michael would do a pass on my stuff. I mean, it, it was you know, sort of a round robin. And, you know, one of Greg's incredible talents, he, he's got many, but I think his, his, his best talent is he's he's a great editor. I don't mean editor in the comic book or journalistic sense, but an editor like the way a filmmaker works. Oh. And he likes to sort of take the same approach to scripts that he does in the editing room, which is he'll, he has an incredible memory for the millions of different versions of any scene that any one of us will write. And what he does is he sort of, the way an editor would sift through footage, various takes and, and whatnot, he will sift through all the different iterations of a scene and, you know, cobble together the version of the scene uh, that works the best from stuff that he's written, stuff that I've written, and stuff that Michael's written, and stuff that we've all rewritten of each other's. Um, so, you know, through this this process of alchemy, at the you know at the end of it, we have a script. But it's a very it, it's a very like sort of organic process because it does work a lot like the film editing process. I don't really know much about comic books, but what little I do know, which I know a little bit more about Marvel than DC Comics. Uh, I just want to know, um, what is the difference between the Justice League and the Justice Society? Oh, it's funny. That question went in a different direction than I thought it would. What's the difference? Well, I guess the difference, one could say, is the difference between the Golden Age and the, and the Silver Age. Um, since you're not a comic book guy, I'll explain these terms. Thank you, um, thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. Here, I'm here looked, to help. I just looked at Nick with this deer in the headlights look. Okay, so yeah, go ahead. Golden, what, the Golden Age, Silver Age, what the hell? I didn't even, like, I didn't even unload the Bronze Age on you. Uh, oh god there are more okay go ahead uh, comic books are the comic book history is sort of broken down into these epochs of uh you know eras of of publication and the golden age is sort of like the founding the very first superheroes the founding fathers oh okay and the silver age is sort of all their modern day uh you know equivalents you know the flash batman superman so i guess justice league you could say is like all the big guns all the you know, the, the most publicly recognizable characters, characters that you, even as a non-conflict fan, have probably heard of. Okay. Um, where the Justice Society is sort of all the heroes who came before them. The, you know, the, the, like I said, the Founding Fathers, the, you know, comic book, two, the comic book 1.0. Okay, so the um, Justice League would be like the Silver Age, and then the Justice Society is the Golden Age. Correct, see? Okay, <laughs> okay. This might all leave in about 20 minutes, but for right now... <laughs> I got okay. Okay, no, it, makes, it makes sense. Now you explained it. I, I get it now. Okay. Yeah, it's really not any more complicated than that. Um, you know, one could one could also make the argument that the difference between the Justice League and the Justice Society is one sells you know thirty thousand copies more than the other. Your website uh, is that is it public domain? I mean, that we can advertise legalscribe.net or is that? Oh sure, yeah. It's, it's my yes. Feel free. Okay, uh, legalscribe.net. If you check it, out, I'll have a link on on the podcast goes live. But uh, you have uh, images for the covers up, and, and I thought it was one of those things where uh, it was like the Justice League of the future. And I, because literally, I, I'm also like, nay, I'm a little bit more Marvel. I know a little bit more to be dangerous, but I mean, I'm mostly more of a Marvel guy. So I was like, oh, Justice Society is that like Justice League of the future or something? But that's Sadly, cool. No, it's more the Justice League of the past. Um, yeah. Even though it's- place in, in present day story you know present day but uh yeah i mean look i think just just is you know it's it's a great deal of fun i mean it's it, it, these are not just old bogey characters they're, they're characters of a huge amount of history to them not like continuity not like 
mm-hmm. oh my god, I can't come in and understand what's going on without knowing, you know, 60 years of, of comic books. It's just, you know, it, it's, a, it's history and the sort of the legacy sense. And I think there's, you know, it's something actually that you can't do with Marvel because Marvel is a, that's a product, Marvel, is, Marvel Comics and their characters are a product of the Silver Age. So Marvel didn't really have a Golden Age, um, gotcha. I mean, they kind of technically did under Timely Comics, but I don't want to. I want to completely blow your mind. Um, <laughs> you know, so for for all intents and purposes, the you know it, it's it's the um, it's the sort of domain of DC um, to you know have a, a golden a series of Golden Age characters, um, and you know Marvel, uh, you know, you just you just can't do that as well. Um, so that's sort of the, uh, you know, the, right. I'm sorry, I, I got all. No, I got you're all. fine. You're fine. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you, I, uh, when we last talked to you a few years ago, it was in the throes of trying to desperately to save Eli Stone. Um, uh, yes, that worked out. No, yeah. So I, <laughs> dude, I got to say, man, that, that, was, that to me was crushing because there's not a lot of shows on there that I think have a good message. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, as a fan, I mean, you're the one who birthed it. You and Greg both. So I, I feel it must be much worse for you guys and those involved than. You know, I mean, honestly, I, I, I appreciate it. The truth is, you don't. I mean, you don't have to cry for us because <laughs> the truth. Of the, I mean, the truth of the matter is that we, um, you know, we got a chance to do 26 episodes that we're really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in in network television these days. Getting you know doing twenty six episodes you know that's, it's a, big that's deal. a blessing. Paul Reiser so I, I definitely look at the glass <laughs> as half as half full. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, Nathan was saying Paul Reiser didn't even. I mean, he, they made more, but it, two never even made it to only made it to air. So um, especially, yeah, you're right. In today's landscape, it's it's really important that the episodes get made and, and even air even. And I, yeah. I I still say season one though is you know from front to back you know one of the best uh, full seasons of television from beginning oh, to end. And season two, I really enjoyed, but again, it felt like you guys were expecting to get the back nine, and then you know, but you left yourself open up to do a graceful ending that way. So, um, no. Now, something. Last time we talked to you, though, you said that there might have been an alternate option besides TV for the show. Yeah, you know, um, I was working with Marvel to publish a Eli Stone comic book, and and basically what I wanted to do was we had um, we had filmed all the episodes. You know, there were ordered you know, mm-hmm. 13 episodes in the second season, but uh, they had also ordered four additional scripts. Um, and so I had these four scripts sitting around um, that were really good. They would have just continued the season, mm-hmm. um, you know, going forward. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Marvel about converting them into comic books. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Eli is in many respects a, uh, a casualty of the economic collapse. Um, mm-hmm. I actually think we would have got to, you know, that back nine. Um, had the economy been a little bit better. Uh, and I also uh, know that Marvel would have been more, you know, sort of, you know, basically we were working out the deal to publish when the economy got worse. Oh, and yes, yeah. it just made it harder to sustain from an economic perspective. So um, it's just one of those, you know, okay. one of those things. Yeah. Um, it's That's, uh, you know, the economy affected a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of things. Well, uh, hopefully someday, maybe later down the line, you guys can bring it back. Cause I know pushing daisies has a comic book coming out soon, which I think it's the same thing. Really? That was like, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's, pushing yeah. Pushing daisies is doing it. Um, you know, it's funny. I personally, 
look, I would totally be open to it. I would never, I would never say no to it, especially since now, you know, uh, in the interim, Marvel has, you know, uh, Marvel has uh, basically been bought out by the same company that owns ABC, which was where you Eli, Eli mm -hmm. So I, I do feel like that would be, you know, uh, a theoretical possibility. I guess sort of the question is, you know, does it, you know, does anyone sort of in in charge think that there is a, um, you know, think that there is a market for you know comic based on a TV show that went off the air a number of years ago? Gotcha. Um, I hope you know the answer. You know, would be yes, but uh, I think I think absolutely nothing. Okay. Well, uh, what I was initially uh, going to bring up though was when we last talked to you about that. Um, about initially, it was Eli. Uh, you were, I was just getting back into comic books. And you were working on Spider-Man, yes. Who is my favorite superhero? And okay. uh, you were working on character well, I, assassins. I, I, I always say thank you. I didn't credit. But, uh, well, no, yeah, Green Lantern is very awesome as well. I, I <laughs> he is. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I, you know, I, something tells me you're you'd probably go see either movie. Oh no, uh, you, you are totally right. You are totally right. No, I'm, I'm going to be there midnight, no matter what. <laughs> I can there say I, I'm, that's, even, that's, I'm even. You are my kind of. You're my kind of fan. Let me tell you. I really wanted to say, like, you've worked on Marvel and DC with character assassination, which was awesome. You you pummeled the poor guy, which I like. That's what makes Spidey great is when you just I, pummel him. I agree, him. actually. I, I think Spider-Man was pretty much created to be pummeled. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, I, I always, you know, I always, for better or for worse, I always approach, you know, my writing, my comic book writing as a fan because I started out as a fan. I'm still a fan. And I basically write the kind of stories that I like to see and I like to read. And that's, you know, one of the things that I associate with Spider-Man is, is pain and suffering in oh, the yeah. physical and emotional sense. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, that's what I try to, you know, I, that's what I try to write. Well, um, what was the difference, though, writing for Marvel and now DC? Like, uh, what are the pros and cons of, of both? I mean, they're both great, you know, especially as a fan. But when, when, you, when you get a bit of dipping your toe in both, you know, universes, what are the pros and cons of both of those? You know, that's a, it's a really that's a really good question, and it's there's such a palpable difference um, between writing for either universe. It, the truth is, there's no difference to writing for either company. I mean, both companies are, are relatively the same, mm -hmm. um, and I've had good experiences at, in, at both. But creatively, there is a difference between writing for Marvel, you know, characters and writing for DC characters, or better put, writing the Marvel universe and writing the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it is a difference that is incredibly hard for me to articulate. Gotcha. Um, the best way I can sort of explain it is, is not even by explanation, but just by example, which is when I took on Justice Society, I sort of I had this notion that I wanted to write the book as if it were a Marvel book. And... It, you know, I, it's 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 been it's proven, I think, to be a very interesting experiment um, mm -hmm. because, well, first of all, like the fans, I think some fans embraced it and really liked it. Other fans were like, "This is too dark for these golden age characters." Because um, I do think Marvel has a darker cast to it. Right. But it's funny, like even like uh, Tom Brevoort, who's actually you know a, a reasonably big uh, DC fan. Um, I asked him what he thought of the run of Justice Society, and he's like, you know, it's weird. Your characters don't sound like I imagine them sounding. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm writing them more in a Marvel style. It, you know, it's it's very it's probably the best the best sort of 
way illustration pun okay. slightly intended uh, of the difference between Marvel and DC is in the JSA Avengers uh, crossover that Kurt Busiek and uh, George Perez did there's a, a terrific sequence that's that's really quite brilliant where the Marvel characters go to the DC universe and the DC universe go to the DC characters go to the Marvel universe and it just really dramatizes the difference between the two universes and that difference is the thing you feel as a writer you know they're like they're like two different cars they just handle differently and so it's it's a great question, but it's the type of question that's almost impossible for me to articulate, apart from just saying, like, yeah, Marvel's a little darker and more grounded, and DC's slightly more epic and heroic, but it, it's, the differences are even greater than that. It's, it's a, it's more, it goes beyond just tone, it's the whole look and feel of, of, the, of the place. Well, uh, back in terms of DC, of what you were mentioning, DC, the you also uh, now did did you and Greg both write it, or are you the head writer on Green Lantern and Emerald Knights? Oh, um, that thanks for asking about that. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm not the head writer. What happened was the producers of Emerald Knights approached me and Michael Green to write a chapter um, because Emerald okay. Knights, uh, for those who haven't seen it, and shame on you if you haven't, um, it, it, Emerald Knights has a, it's a, has a framing story um, with basically Green Lantern, you know, Hal Jordan telling Arisia, uh about the history of the Green Lantern Corps, and then the, it would flash back to these different chapters. And each chapter has a slightly different animation style, and each chapter was written by a different writer or writing team. And we were asked to write one of the chapters and, and Michael and I were really we were actually really excited and very flattered because neither one of us had written a cartoon before mm-hmm. um, and I, I just got my copy last week from, from Warner Brothers and I was I was so excited to show it to my daughters I, I have two young daughters and, that's awesome. I, mean, I think I was more excited to show them that than I am for the movie to come out. <laughs> you know, my, my kids are too young to see a PG-13 movie but um, they, they were totally the right age for, for a cartoon and, and I was very excited to uh, to be able to show them, like, see, this is what Teddy worked on. Um, <laughs> and, and also, I'm just really, uh, I, I do have to say, like, I was, I was genuinely thrilled with the way it came out. Um, it's, like I said, this was a new experience professionally and creatively for me and Michael, and we just really were, were blown away by how cool it was to see our our script um, realized in animated form, and, you know, so so creatively and so uh, viscerally. It was it was. The, the, end, the end product is really terrific. Well, do you uh, – and you brought up Michael, and uh, I remember one a little bit of your projects because uh, I didn't – well, Spider-Man not so much because there's a whole other sort of uh, thing going on there when I was reading that. But all your television or film projects have a bit of uh, of a higher power, a sense of a higher power going on. And uh, even in Flash Forward, there was a character that was sort of introduced, and you know, there for a bit that uh, had a sense of a higher power that was going on. Uh, will there is that sort of present in even Green Lantern? And when you're writing the Flash, something like that, or is it again because it's comic book based? It's not really the drive of the character. Or uh, how do you incorporate your writing, your sort of gravitation towards that to the films and other stuff that you do, like Green Lantern and Flash? Well, I, I will say, like, I don't think that um, it, it's not an intentional incorporation. It's, it's not like I, I don't sort of go into any project with sort of an agenda. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think every writer, it, you know, is sort of the same in the sense that we all sort of have our, our have our influences and we have these themes that we're attracted to and these themes that we continue to return to in our work. Um, but it's not, it, generally speaking, it's not really intentional. It's just 
part of the makeup that you have as a writer mm-hmm. um, that gets sort of it infuses uh, everything you work on. Um, you know, there's a, a variety of themes and, and things that I'm interested in as a writer. Um, that it's not like I'm trying to wedge them in. Oh to no, yeah. Any number of things, but it's it's just it naturally gets sort of subsumed within the scripts you know that you write. Well, I find it to be very script. fascinating. I I mean I, I personally I enjoy it. Um, you know I, I dig that it's because it's sort of you're asking them to think a little bit more philosophically about something else beside and then also the story that you're trying to tell. So. That, I, I would say that's to the extent that I like do anything sort of intentionally. That that's really the thing. I I I grew up on you know I grew I grew up on a lot of television and the television that I loved was like stuff like Sam Elsewhere and L.A. Law and, mm-hmm. and Hill Street Blues and stuff that like it was entertaining but it also made you think. Right. And it it talked about the issues of the day and I, I feel like I mean not to get on my soapbox but I feel like we've gotten away from that in entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot and. You know, sort of to the extent I have any sort of agenda, I I probably do approach my writing with an eye towards looking for those opportunities to you know talk about stuff. Definitely. Um, and not not advance any any particular view viewpoint. Um, I'm much more interested in the discussion mm-hmm. and the debate than in the the bottom line. Right. Um, and I you know I, that's the kind of stuff I like to watch and, and read. It's you know, it's the kind of stuff I like to write. I like, I like, you know, I, I like exploring issues. And, and yeah, one of the issues is sort of the issue of, uh, you know, a higher power and, and purpose, and, you know, and, and, you know, the ephemeral uh, things like faith, you know, that are not, you know, the evidence of things not seen. Right. Um, is something that, that does really interest me. And it, it you know, it, it probably, you know, seeps into my work, uh, you know, unconsciously. Right. Well, especially since uh, Michael, uh, if, if he, you mentioned this earlier in the interview, but he worked on Kings, which was another show that I thought was just absolutely. It's technically the retelling of the story of David, King David, um, in a modern day talent, modern day story, and it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I yeah, wish you would no, go to I Netflix. Think it's brilliant. <laughs> I I think it is absolutely. It is a brilliant, brilliant piece of work, and and of course. Uh, you know, uh, of course, the network audience did not embrace it. Um, <laughs> I know, it's which so sad. Is, is a you know, it's such a problem for me. Like, it's a problem I think for, for anyone who who enjoys great network television and who works in network television. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kings was like Kings was so far ahead of its time. Get out of here with yeah. that cheese! You know, You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something because I'll tell you something. This is a happy place. What the fuck am I supposed to say? And consequently, they make me a better writer. And, you know, I think Kings is a terrific example of just how much Michael outclasses me. But it's, you know, I look, I'm really looking forward to his next TV series, The River, which which will come out next year. What is it called? called the river oh it, um, do you know what network and everything it's on yeah it's, it's gonna be on abc uh it's for mid-season so it doesn't have a date yet okay um and it's a, a i guess a supernatural horror uh show um which is i have seen the pilot and it is uh, it's astounding it's really it's really outstanding and very imaginative and inventive and all the things quite frankly you expect uh, from something that michael works on Cool. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Nate, you had a, another question you wanted to ask too, right? Yes. 
Okay, so just kind of based on the uh, Justice League question I asked uh, asked prior, um, as far as you are aware of, will DC be attempting to produce a Justice League film uh, like Marvel has produced the Avengers movie? And then, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, go off on that. Go ahead. Oh no, it's a terrific question. I wish I knew the answer. Uh, unfortunately, that, it, that those decisions get typically so far above my my pay grade um, <laughs> that I'm. You know, I'm reading the same stuff on the internet that, that you are. I, I think it would be awesome. I think it would be great. I have no idea what their plans are. Well, do they come to you and sit there and sit when you're writing it or when they ask you to write it or maybe later towards the end of it where it's like, well, is there any way you can make it a little bit more open-ended in terms of so that like, maybe if we wanted to, we could ducktail it into, or at least with the flash or, or well, I mean, it's this, it's probably the same thing, which is, you know, they don't really tell you anything, but or did they possibly say leave a little bit more open-ended? Cause like Iron Man at the time, at least from what I heard until like very close to filming, they are ending the filming. They, it was very open-ended that it could be part of something larger. And um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a good question that's hard. It's hard to explain. Um, oh, yeah. I understand. You know, par- partially, I mean, you know, partially it's like, at the end of the day, what, what superhero film isn't going to be open-ended? Um, mainly because it's like, well, you know, most superhero films, you want to at least leave open the possibility of a sequel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I think to a certain extent, you know, every superhero film is going to be open-ended, um, you know, at least the kind of superhero film, you know, like a Green Lantern or a Flash or an Iron Man um, that could spawn a franchise. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think sort of the ways, you know, uh, the ways Marvel has sort of a grand plan um, is is a little different from the approach Warner Brothers is taking. Gotcha. Um, not that Warner Brothers doesn't have a grand plan, but it's a different kind of grand plan. And, you know, a lot of the details of it are, are like I said, above my head. Gotcha. Well, um, you've almost been talking to us for 30 minutes here, so we'll we'll try to give you a few more questions here. Uh, One of them being about The Flash. I know you guys are working on it. How far along are you? And initially you said it was sort of uh, CSI-ish. Is that still holding true? Um, You know, it's funny. I think a lot has been made of that that quote. And, you know, it's it's basically basically as simple as this. The character of Barry Allen in the original Silver Age was a quote-unquote police scientist, which is, you know, sort of the 1960s equivalent of a CSI, you know, a forensic, you know, uh, detective. So obviously when sitting down to write the script, we, you know, wanted to honor that part of his character. I mean, that's, you know, Peter Parker works for the, is a photographer for the Daily Bugle, Clark Kent is a reporter for the Daily, you know, Planet, and Barry Allen works in forensics at a police department. Um, and that's just as true today as it, is, as it was back in the Silver Age. So obviously, you know, when you're doing that character, um, you want to honor that element of the character. Um, so, you know, obviously we wanted to update and modernize it and not make it a, you know, a police scientist, um, but mm-hmm. make it, you know, as cool and visceral and interesting as I, personally I think that world can be. So, you know, you can say CSI, you can say Silence of the Lambs, you can, you, you, you sort of, you know, I, I think we're all sort of very familiar now with this world of, of forensics and serial killers and, and all sorts of, of things. So it's, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's, 
you know, what the whole movie's about, but it's mm-hmm. certainly an element of the character, so therefore it has to be an element of the movie. Okay, well, that's, well, again, I mean, I don't really know a lot about, I mean, I know enough about the Flash as in, you know, I know what his powers are and what he can do, and I know there's like a few of them, but, uh, or a few gentlemen who've portrayed the Flash, but uh, are you guys sticking with the, I think it's called Flash Force, or, or the, or am I getting that wrong? Speed Force? Speed Force, I'm sorry. Uh, see, I was telling Nathan before. I was like, "See, I know enough to be barely dangerous." <laughs> with That's this. right. I love, I love that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, the speed force is definitely uh, an element. Like a, a, again, it's an element of the character, so for sure, an element of the movie. Well, the original Flash from uh, is it the Golden Age or Silver Age? The original one that wasn't uh, speed force, was it? An, I mean, it might have been retconned to be, but it initially was like a scientific accident, or yeah. I, um, originally, he was. Um, Originally, Barry Allen was struck by lightning in a uh, lab, you know, full of chemicals. And the the implication was that the lightning interacting with this mix of chemicals gave him this power of, of speed. And yes, that was retconned into he tapped into the speed force. Um, I, I think with, you know, with the Flash, what we've, you know, what we tried to do is something very, what we did with Green Lantern was... There are, el- there are elements of Green Lantern's origin that are very sort of steeped in the Silver Age, it's mm-hmm. sort of a, a 20th century sensibility as opposed to a 21st century sensibility. So just like with Green Lantern, with The Flash, we wanted to like sort of honor all those you know historical elements, but give them an, uh, an update you know for the modern the modern day. Um, you know, so you know you've got to do the bolt of lightning. But how do you do that in a, a way that's you know that will work for a 21st century audience? Okay. Um, you could have him try to be texting, and then he gets struck by lightning. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? No, I'm, really, that. I'm, really, I'm really just kidding. Oh, yeah. There is texting in the movie. I will say that. Oh. I actually, I'm pretty sure we actually text a few times. In the movie. Oh, there you go. The whole, the whole, the matter of fact, the whole story right there for Nathan is based on that texting moment. I, lo- I look forward to the Writers Guild arbitration. <laughs> Yeah, well, one of the things that we saw Thor, Nathan wasn't a fan of Thor, and that's fine. But no, but you, you, and I will sort of agree with this. Even though I love Spider Man, every villain is someone Peter knows personally that has had an accident with science. Now, granted, that works for Peter in the comic books, but after every movie, it might, it, at least to Nathan, it got a little repetitive. And, I, and with other people, too, it can get, get repetitive. And I understand that. So he's like, was it a scientific accent? So I was like, yes, I think so. So when you were saying that, he was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, if the Flash is from the Golden Age, that's something that happened before yeah, everything but, else. So then that would mean that well, this would have, like, car blonde well, or whatever. I hate to, I, I'm, you know, I, I am trying not to, to throw too much at you. But, like, oh, no, you're fine, unfortunately... You're fine. The Flash is both a Golden Age character and a Silver Age character. In fact, the Flash is the very first Silver Age character. Allow me to explain. Um, <laughs> there, it, back in the Golden Age, there was a there was a Flash called his name was was Jay Garrick, and okay. he could run fast. Um, and then in the Silver Age, they introduced a brand new. Basically, it's like okay, we're going to keep the powers, and we're going to keep the name. Everything else changed, and they created a new character named Barry Allen, but a completely different costume, same powers. So it was the start of the Silver Age, which actually begins with the Barry Allen Flash. Okay. Um, the start of the Silver Age was like, we're going to take the concept and we're going to take the name, but everything else changes. Same thing happened actually with Green Lantern. The original Green Lantern was a guy named Alan Scott who had, he had a green ring and he could make things with his ring, but there were no Guardians of Oa, there was no Green Lantern right. Corps. 
you know, it was a completely different mythos. And then, you know, Silver Age comes along, and here comes Hal Jordan. You know, gotcha. Same concept, completely different character. Okay. Um, so. Okay. Uh, what, by the way, I think you might have thrown it out there really quick, but just to clarify, um, or at least Nathan was asking this earlier about which which version of Flash are you using? Are you using Barry? Oh, we're using the the Barry Allen version. All right. Cool. Oh, um. Well, I mean, uh, you've been really kind of answering all our questions here, Mark. Is there anything else that, besides Green Lantern, which is in theaters, uh, by the time this is released, it will be out in theaters, uh, do you have anything, oh, and Emerald Knights, which is on DVD and Blu-ray, do you have anything else you'd like us to plug or mention out real quick? Oh, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I can't think, I mean, Justice Society, I would love, you know, for people to continue reading it. Um, and everything else that I've got sort of in the pipeline or, or on my desk at the moment uh, doesn't have, you know, hasn't been announced yet, and so and therefore cannot be plugged. Gotcha. Um, I understand. But uh, I, I do appreciate the opportunity. No, not a problem. Uh, thank you once again for talking with us, uh, yes. especially after the technical time. difficulties there. But again, you're a, a kind soul, sir, and uh, thanks for calling. Cool. No, thanks a lot, guys. Take thanks. it easy. And that was an interview with Mark Guggenheim. That was uh, that's really great. That was really fun. Actually, I thought I thought we could really. I like to mm-hmm. though applaud Nathan though. Good job, Nate. On doing a great job on that interview. Those it was a good, good interview. Those were some good it really questions. was. Um, what was your favorite? All of it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I liked it how you miraculously disappeared yeah. for that whole little segment, and I then had, you miraculously. I had to do. Yeah. Diarrhea. <laughs> cha cha cha. <laughs> <laughs> But no, yeah, if you, if you uh, thought any of the interview was interesting or anything else in the uh, episode you want to talk to us about, uh, 614-364-4088, leave us a voicemail or Skype Nick Nitro DJ, uh, or leave us an email at goodbaggeeky at gmail.com. Uh, there's our Facebook page, which we got a new uh, title for the page. If you want to go straight to our Facebook fan page, it's facebook.com forward slash capitalized GBG lowercase podcast forward slash. And then there's also Twitter. At Good Bad Geeky. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your Twitter? John Teen. B E T T I N. Yes. No spaces. And then right. Nathan's. What's yours? Giant Nate. Giant Nate. No spaces. And of course, if you follow Good Bad Geeky, I tweet, all, tweet out those guys' as I username yeah. handles all the time. And uh, was I forgetting anything else? No. Check out Wilfred. There you go. Yes. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye. Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place! What the fuck am I supposed to say? <laughs> what song is that?